Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love Talk Radio. Sagittarius is being alive and direct coming from the west coast of the United States of America, L.A., live and direct at this 9.01 p.m. side of dawn. We were to come on a little earlier around, I think it was 7 o'clock, but we had a little trouble. We was actually shooting a film, and we ran a little over since we was working on this green screen effect. I hope you guys are doing all right out there. Thank you for your patience. Today is going to be a pre-recorded show with a broadcast we did back in 2003 on radio station KJLH. Uh, the title of the segment was entitled, I believe it was 2003, uh, the segment was entitled Political Transition in the Congo. And again, we were just coming out of that brutal war, our second war in 1998. First war was 1996. The war is still simmering, still smarting the east, so don't let people fool you. It's still going on, just on a lower level, but the killing continues. What's up with you people out there in Wonderland? What's been happening out there? How's the New Year treating you? We have February. I think we have a holiday coming up soon. What's that, Valentine's Day? So all you lovers out there, you have your gift ready? Fellas, you ready to take a girl out on a date, treat her nice, have a nice time? Let me know what's going on. Maybe we'll do a dedication show to you folks out there. Anyways, on this side of Don, the show's going to last about the uh, record. The show we did was about 56 minutes, just a little under an hour. So what we're going to do is kick in a little cut here. Hope you dig it. A little... Tupac and the Outlaws and stuff like that, then we'll come into our show. It's, it, once again, it's called uh, Political Transition in the DRC Congo. And it was first broadcast on radio station KJLH. Won't be taking any calls tonight. You can reach out, out to us on the chat room. Once again, it's a blocked 
chat room in reference to that you, in terms that you can see yourself but not other people. This way we can avoid the arguments that tend to break out on shows like these. And I've seen it happen on other shows, and I'm not really down with that. So let's take it one day at a time. Tupac, bring it in so we can go into our flow. One day at a time. Damn. 
one day at a time, people, one day at a time. Let's go into this groove. Again, it's a pre-recorded show that's coming up, taking no calls, what have you, so sit back. Hope you enjoyed the information. It was myself, along with uh, Brother Fofo Lakuta and Brother Adelar. I believe there was one more person in the studio, but it might just been the three of us. The host name escapes me, but I'm sure he'll say it in the beginning. Also, he britches my name in the beginning, so hey, what can you say? Now, this is coming um, This is from our archival files, so there might be some sound issue towards the end portion of the show. You know, a couple of clicks here, a repetitive click. But um, after listening to it, I don't think it'll be too distracting. So sit back, learn some groove, you know, learn some information, and enjoy. I'm gone. Here we go. Welcome to Liberation Hour, where we address issues critical to the African world. I'm Jerry Johnson, your host, and tonight we'll address an issue that many, uh, that may have the largest impact on the African world, though, unfortunately, it is one of the most underreported. Uh, what we're going to discuss tonight, the title is A Political Transition in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, The Road to Rebuilding. Uh, tonight we are going to attempt to clear up a lot of the confusion around the issue of the Democratic Republic of the Congo and dispel some of the myths that have been uh, put out there for our consumption. Uh, we're honored to have in our studio tonight uh, three uh, guests that will give us some insight. The first is uh, Saeed Kekesi Dibimga, and he's a coordinator for the Congolese Association of Southern California. Director of Information of the United African Federation and a uh, member of Lesia Bulela, which is an advocacy group for the Kasai region in the Congo. Uh, what he'll do for us tonight in the beginning, we'll, uh, he'll address some of the um, issues, political issues in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, look at the political configuration right now in terms of the one president, four vice president. Um, situation they have there and give us some background on how all of that happened. And then we'll have um, uh, Adelar Pita. He's an economic analyst. He's specializing in Congolese issues. He's going to discuss the state of the economy and look at some of the economic trends. And uh, finally, he's going to look into some of the recommendations for improvement for in the economic situation in the Congo. And finally, we'll uh, have Fofo Lukata. And... Um, he will be discussing mining conglomerates, riches for the few, nothing for Congo's development. And uh, for some of you who were with us a few weeks ago, we had some um, discussion on the Congo and what was going on there, a little more abbreviated than what we'll, what we'll have tonight. But we touched on some of those issues in the mining conglomerates and who was involved and how the people are not benefiting. So we're going to get some in-depth analysis on that today. And then finally, we're going to have a roundtable discussion where we're going to take a lot of these issues and, and dig a little more deeply and talk about some of the other current things going on in the Congo. So without further ado, I'm going to start with Brother Saeed Kekese Dibinga and give us some background, if you would, my brother. Uh, definitely. First, I'd like to say uh, very, well, very honored and grateful to KPFK, Brother Howard, and yourself for uh, giving us the opportunity to present our country in the light that we felt it deserves to be presented in. Our pleasure. You know, Congolese, you know, pre presented by Congolese. And also, um, we're going to get straight to it. 
especially for those that know that know someone of our country. Uh, we got our independence in 1960. Kasavubu was the president. Lumumba was the prime minister. As we know, Lumumba was turned over by Mobutu over the Katangans, where Lumumba was, was murdered. Mobutu took power, backed up by the Belgians. 32 years of dictatorship came to an end when, Mobutu, when uh, Laurent Kabila, with the assistance of the Ugandan and Rwandan military, took power in 1996-97. Uh, eventually in 2001, after we had another dictatorship, and towards the end when Laurent Kabila realized the error of his ways and tried to correct and strengthen Congo the way he felt it should be, he was assassinated and replaced by Joseph Kabila. He was uh, made president by the parliament. Uh, again, we still had war with Rwanda and Uganda. After 98, when Laurent Kabila had wanted the Rwandans to leave, they formed another rebellion. And that war was supposed to come to an end now, but unfortunately is still going on, but to a lesser degree. Uh, Lusaka Accords was signed by Laurent Kabila. After his, after his assassination, there was another conference in South Africa that was financed by the South Africans. President Mbeki suggested that we have a format of one president, four vice presidents. And since they were kind of paying for that intercolonial dialogue, you know, we didn't have that much say. And eventually, Joseph Kabila was allowed to remain president. Uh, Jean-Pierre Mbemba, who was in charge of MLC, became the, one of the vice presidents. Uh, Aziria Robera, a Congolese Tussi, who was actually backed by Rwanda, also became one of the other vice presidents. Uh, Yawardwe, who was pro-government, became the, fourth vice, the third vice president. And Nzima was the fourth vice president representing the civil opposition. And as it stands right now, that is the structure we have, which is supposed to lead towards a transitional government, eventually ending up in elections in 2005. That's where we stand right now in Congo. Okay, well, that's a uh, strange configuration, I have to say. When you think about it politically, we have four vice presidents. So uh, I'm going to just ask you one question. We'll get into this in a little more detail, but... Uh, how is that working, and is that functional, and do you expect, what kind of results do you expect out of that kind of uh, one president, four vice president well, right now, uh, situation? Well, right now, it's working in that only it's lower the amount of slaughter that's going on in eastern Congo. But at the same time, the international community is taking the advantage of this to now reduce our external debt. They're flooding money into Congo to help rebuild the infrastructure. So in that capacity, it's allowing more money to come into our country. Unfortunately, the situation now as it is, you have, for example, Robera, Azir Robera, who was in charge of RCD Goma, is having problems because some of his own members don't even want to come to Kinshasa because they refuse to be inaugurated in the new government. And now there's rumors that a new rebellion is being fomented in the East as, again, as before and being supported by Rwanda. And these guys don't want to come to Kinshasa unless the two, unless the pro-government vice president and the civil opposition vice president steps down. And also, only if they protect Kenya Rwandans speaking Congolese, Congolese Tutsi that speak the language of Rwanda. So in that case, it's formating more problems. And now we have a problem that's very similar to Rome after the communists had died, where you have four generals right. vying for power. And eventually Severus, the African Rome, Roman, took power. So now... In 2005, when you have these rebel movements now becoming political parties, you're creating a situation where now they're going to vie for power between now and 2005. And as you know, the history of Africa, anytime they lose, they contest the election and they go to war. So right now, for economic reasons, it's helping out the Congo because now we're having access to uh, economic resources. We're going to have an access to international funds, and again, our external debt is being reduced. But unfortunately, the road to 2005 with this, trend, with this structure doesn't look very promising. Okay, well, that's some good background. What we're going to do is uh, we're going to take another quick break because when we come back, 
uh, we're really going to get uh, more deeply into the economic picture. So we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in a moment. KPFK 90.7 Los Angeles, 98.7 Santa Barbara, and also streaming and screaming on the web at uh, kpfk.org. When we left, we were just giving a little bit of background on what's going on in the Congo from a political perspective. Uh, Now we're going to get a little heavier into what's really going on economically so we can get some idea of whose interests are where and where the Congolese people (laughs) <laughs> come into the picture if they really come into the picture at all in terms of benefit. So we're going to go ahead and continue with uh, Brother Adelaide Peter. Uh, thank you very much, Brother. Okay. Uh, we are honored to be here. Like, uh, Congo is uh, one of the most shocking paradoxes or contradictions that you will ever find on the face of the earth because this country has been endowed with a fabulous natural resources beyond any stretch of imagination. Yet, at the same time, Congo is one of the poorest nations in the entire world. Congo's natural resources include a wide variety of minerals uh, which have critical industrial applications. I would just uh, name a few here. Uh, We do produce copper, cobalt, coltan, gold, diamonds, germanium, which is a byproduct of zinc processing, titanium, zinc, uh, cadmium, uranium, oil, natural gas. Uh, those are just a few of the minerals that we produce, and mm-hmm. I'll just name a few applications here just to give you an idea of how important, how critical these minerals are to the world. Copper is used in uh, telecommunications and power utilities, just a few uh, applications. Cobalt is a highly um, strategic mineral that is used in uh, aircraft engines and also in uh, magnetic recording media. It is uh, largely used in, uh, in military applications. And coltan is, is used in uh, cellular phones, laptop computers, camcorders. So just, those just are just a few applications of, of those minerals. Besides uh, minerals wealth, Congo has a huge land. Uh, in fact, Congo is as large as the United States west of Mississippi without any desert. Right. And uh, this vast, fertile land, coupled with a very favorable climate, or represent uh, a tremendous potential for agriculture 
uh, that could make Congo self-sufficient in food and also a net food exporter to the entire African uh, continent. Congo produces commercial crops such as uh, coffee, uh, tea, cocoa beans, rubber, sugar, palm oil, cotton, tobacco, and uh, also some subsistence uh, crops or food crops such as uh, rice, corn, and peanuts, and bananas, and many other uh, products. Congo also has uh, a huge uh, forest with a wide variety of timber trees with, which, come, which come in uh, various uh, species. And also we have a, a network of rivers, uh, the mighty Congo rivers and, uh, and uh, many other rivers which mm -hmm. represent an enormous hydroelectric uh, potential. But uh, like I said before, um, despite uh, all this natural wealth uh, of gigantic proportions, Congo is actually one of the poorest countries in the entire world with uh, a per capita income of only $82 uh, a year per person, so as of uh, 2001. Wow. And uh, uh. the downfall of the Congolese economy started in the first part of the 1990s, I mean the 1970s, uh, in 1973 to be more specific. Uh, and uh, since then the economy has, uh, 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 the downfall of the economy has uh, drastically accelerated at an alarming uh, pace since the mid-1980s, reaching a point of near total collapse. And from the average growth of 7% a year from uh, 1967 to 1974, uh, the average uh, growth, the GDP growth was negative uh, from uh, uh, 1975 to 1982. And uh, from 1983 through 1989, uh, the average growth of the GDP, which is the gross domestic uh, product, uh, a measure of the national revenue, the economic activity was about 0.9%. Uh, and again, from uh, 1990 all the way through uh, the year 2001, the GDP was negative. And uh, by 2002, uh, Congo's external debt had reached almost $13 billion, which represented 280% of the GDP. Mm -hmm. And uh, hyperinflation uh, reached a record 9,796% in 1994. And uh, the gross net investment rate declined uh, from 13% in 1990 to 4.4% uh, in 2000. And uh, Congo does not produce enough food to meet the needs of uh, its entire population. Uh, and Congo has to import food. Uh, the government has uh, substantially disengaged from uh, vital sectors such as uh, education, health care, uh, leaving people to fend for themselves. And most of the healthcare, education, and water and power systems are in an advanced state of decay. And uh, much of the infra infrastructure has uh, severely de deteriorated beyond recognition. And the banking system is uh, almost non-existent because uh, as of the latest uh, uh, statistics, it seems that uh, uh, we have about uh, 25 uh, 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 windows, like if you go to the bank, and, uh, which means that about two, two, million, uh, two million people per, per, per window, something like that. Oh. <laughs> and uh, so decades of uh, economic chaos have caused a general and severe impoverishment of uh, the entire population, and cr except for a few, uh, and created a dual economy. Uh, there is a formal sector uh, where businesses and, and individuals uh, operate at high costs and there is an informal sector, an underground sector, 
uh, that is totally out of government control and tax base, and uh, this uh, informal sector dominates the entire economy. Uh, the question we should be asking ourselves is how did we get to that point? The economic crisis in Congo is uh, a result of uh, an unfortunate combination of uh, various factors. There are internal factors and uh, some external factors. The internal factors uh, include a long history of bad governance, uh, misguided policies, uh, policies such as uh, nationalizations, nationalizations in uh, 1973 uh, and uh, 1975, also widespread, uh, widespread mismanagement, and inadequate planning, also a systematic corruption and embezzlement of uh, national financial and uh, other resources, and also political instability, civil unrest, and wars. And uh, the external factors uh, include uh, fluctuations uh, of mineral prices on international markets. Uh, the two major oil crises in the, in the 1970s, uh, high interest rates on financial markets in the 1980s due to the Reaganomics or the Ronald Reagan uh, economic policies in the United States which caused the interest, uh, interest uh, rates to, to soar in, mm -hmm. on international markets. And also uh, uh, the flaws in the uh, International Monetary Fund stabilization and uh, structural adjustment programs from 1976 through 1990 and uh, also 12 years of economic sanctions on the part of the international community from 1990 through 2002. And uh, when uh, President Kabila Jr. Uh, took over in 2001, uh, he immediately undertook a series of uh, economic reforms uh, that were and are still being monitored by the International Monetary Fund uh, under an interim program. He essentially uh, liberalized uh, petroleum prices, exchange rates, and diamond trade, and uh, abolished. And uh, I'm said, uh, I mean, uh, he adopted uh, a few uh, uh, policies, such as uh, 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 some discipline in fiscal and uh, monetary policies. And as a result, in 2002, Congo has been allowed uh, to uh, embark on a three-year economic adjustment program under the supervision of the IMF and the World Bank. And uh, this uh, adjustment program is uh, supported by a special uh, poverty reduction and growth program facility from these uh, two uh, institutions, the World Bank and uh, the, uh, the uh, International Monetary Fund. And uh, uh, after uh, clearing some uh, uh, past due amount uh, to the, with the IMF and the World Bank, Congo began normalizing its uh, economic relationships with uh, in the international community. And as a result, uh, financial assistance from international donors and lenders began to flow again to Congo uh, moderately and slowly, but surely. And uh, the economy has began to show some signs of improvement uh, and stabilization. For the first time after 13 years, Congo uh, had uh, a positive gross uh, domestic product uh, in 2002, it was about 3.5%, uh, and the inflation rate fell sharply from 135% at the end of 2001 to 16% at the end of 2002. And based on this uh, performance under very difficult circumstances, uh, the IMF and the World Bank decided that Congo qualified for the 
enhance the highly indebted poor, poor countries initiative and uh, reduce uh, its external debt approximately um, uh, 80 to 90 percent at the end of uh, July of this year. Uh, therefore, the constraints on economic growth caused by the heavy burden of debt have been uh, greatly reduced. Uh, this is a very good start, but uh, it will take time to get out of this uh, catastrophic uh, economic crisis. Yeah, well, I think we're going to have to talk a little bit about, um, you know, we've uh, addressed some of the things with the World Bank and IMF policies and their structural adjustment policies in other places in the world, mm -hmm. and the uh, results have not been very encouraging. Now, mm -hmm. there may be some very small signs of some things turning around, but I think we need to look at this at a little broader level, and we'll talk about that a little more at the end when we do a roundtable here. But um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, when you're definitely. talking about the kind of per capita income that you're talking, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, even a 100% increase in that is still, you know, less yeah. than 200 bucks. So yeah. we've got to keep this in perspective. <clears throat> and I want, you know, I want to talk more about some of the external um, uh Factors, factors that are, are doing this. These mm -hmm. are just people, not necessarily people don't know how to govern themselves. Yeah. yeah. And Go uh, ahead. Uh, just uh, to, uh, to uh, finish this presentation, uh, I would like just to uh, mention uh, a few strategies that I believe are very critical uh, oh, okay. for its sustained economic growth. Uh, as the uh, Congo is on track towards democracy, we have high hopes, high hopes, just hopes, that our country will begin to achieve its fabulous potential as an economic giant in the heart of Africa. And here are, here are some sound uh, strategies that we believe are very important to achieve this goal. Uh, we need uh, comprehensive economic legislation that would regulate the economic policies of the government, uh, the business operations of the private sector, and the overall economic activities in the, in the entire country. Uh, systematic fight against corruption. Responsible and disciplined fiscal policies and management. Effective and uh, systematic mobilization of internal resources uh, to help create an internal capital and uh, credit capability. Uh, efficient debt management. Responsible and coherent monetary policies. Uh, restructuring of the banking system, restructuring of the public enterprise sector to make it more uh, competitive and, uh, and profitable, restructuring of the government sector, creation of uh, a national economic early warning system that will uh, monitor uh, the economic environment in order to take corrective actions uh, proactively. Uh, we also need a proactive mining policies uh, economic and uh, government decentralization, uh, continued infrastructure rebuilding and modernization, economic diversification, and scientific research and uh, uh, technological uh, innovation, and also we need uh, efficient social policies. Okay, well that that sounded like a um, a pretty good lineup. I mean, a lot of those things are. Um, uh, a lot of those things you could say about just about any country, you know, who's in trouble in the, in the IMF World Bank does say a lot of those things when they talk about corruption and on and on. So a lot of that is in, internal and that you can do, but I think when we get in this other part, you know, you can have good governance and good behavior and all of these kind of things, and there's some other things that cause you a problem. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to take another little break, and when we get back, we're going to get down into some of the nitty-gritty about these mining conglomerates and uh what they're doing in the Congo and what are the people getting out of it. Be right back.
You're listening to the Liberation Hour on 90.7 FM, KPFK, Los Angeles. Heard at 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara and around the world at kpfk.org. We'll be back in just a moment. Coming up at 9 p.m. will be Centro America Sin Censura, part of our Spanish language programming block. Stay with us. Queridos amigos, les habla Fernando Velázquez del programa Pueblos Sin Fronteras, un programa de noticias bilingües, inglés, español, todos los días acá en la radio KPFK 90.7 FM a las 5 y media de la mañana, de lunes a viernes. Los invitamos. Tune in to People Without Borders, bilingual news every morning at 5.30 a.m., Monday to Friday. Right here on KPFK, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles and 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara County. All right, welcome back to Liberation Hour. Uh, tonight we're discussing the Congo, political transition in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, the road to rebuilding. We're trying to clear up some of the confusion and dispel some of the myths about what's going on. We've got some very good basic information here, and um, we're going to continue looking right now at the uh, mining conglomerates with Brother uh, Fofo Lukata. And uh, mining conglomerates, I see you, you say riches for the few, nothing for Congo's development. Elaborate on that, Brother. <coughs> well, thank you very much. It's always a, a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to whenever we have an opportunity to let the world know exactly what we're suffering uh, from and what we are about. So, um, basically, sometimes, in the case of Congo, sometimes your blessing can turn out to be a, turn out to be a curse. Right. Mm. In this case, uh, the Congolese independence was, is what most of us would call today the Congolese curse. The reason is, it was supposed to be the biggest deliverance of uh, mm -hmm. the Congolese people, and it turned out to be instead. It turned out to be uh, what brought the Congolese today to be the poorest people on the planet, one of the poorest people on the planet. And um, maybe there was a when we had the independence, there was a probably, probably a high price tag saying uh, we liberate the people, but we own the soil, right. and, and that's exactly what we're, we're running into now. And that's the that's the core of the problem there. That's the problem we're running into. Well, uh, as a matter of fact, the war in the Congo is uh, just as uh, any other part of Africa. In Africa, uh, I'm going to speak about mostly about Africa here. It's uh, always tied to the corporations, right. the mining uh, corporations, all these uh, big and giant corporations. Um, in the case of the Congo, the Congo used to be colonized by um, Belgium. As the brother Edward said here, it's a 
basically says candle. I mean, it's, uh, if heaven exists, the Congo is heaven. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, um, unfortunately, like I said, um, we were li they, they, liberated the, they liberated the people, not the soil. What happened is, uh, during after the independence, Lumumba, who, um, I don't know, most listeners probably know. Who Lumumba, right. Lumumba. First minister. He was labeled as a communist, uh, mostly because he spoke out about the resources. We do not want a partial independence. We want a full independence, which will include the soil and the minerals and uh, basically the wealth of the country. Then the rest, we know what happened to him uh, after that. The King Leopold used to own the the land of Congo and its minerals, and then pass it on to many families, including the Rothschilds and the Baron Pain and all that. So what happened is, when Mobutu came to power, Mobutu was best. Mobutu was a puppet. It was basically a puppet. He came to power. Everything was basically, uh, all the, uh, the instruction came from the West, including the U.S., as a matter of fact. Mobutu came to power after a few years, uh, in, in, the 70, in the 70s, I'm just going to make it short because we're not in that time. Just, uh, in the 70s, he decided to, to nationalize the Zarian wealth and everything that, that was owned by uh, international corporations or any other companies. Mm -hmm. what, he, what he did was he, turned, he changed the country's name into Zaire. Right. That was to know, basically to avoid all the contracts that were signed under the Congo. So when he did that, he called everybody back to the table and said, we have to renegotiate. Those contracts were signed prior to the independence, to our independence, and it was under Congo. Now, the government of the new Zaire is ready and willing to sign with you the uh, different contracts, uh, the other terms and the new terms. It was regarded as uh, basically, to the Congolese people, it was next to God at that time. <laughs> that happened, and um, <coughs> basically, uh, the Congolese, um, before the independence, the share was ninety six no ninety three to seven ninety three percent for the international mining corporations and seven percent for the whole country for the Congolese people okay then you came and renegotiated to where it was um seventy six to no no he, he renegotiated to where he gave he would kept seventy six and they had twenty four percent that was a good move. Then the, we saw the, the currency, Zarian currency, jump to one Zaire equal one dollar. But then uh, big, uh, the big, the big, the corporations went sat onto the table with a. Uh, they had their own meeting and said, "Well, if we let this man do what he's doing, what's going to happen is going to be, it's going to trickle. It's, it's going to trigger to the other countries, Ghana, such as Ghana, Nigeria." And you're going to be in trouble here. They decided to boycott all minerals that came from Zaire at the time. So Mobutu found, found, himself, found himself with a 
with stock of uh, he didn't know who to sell to sell it to, what to do with it. So he had to call them back to the table and reverse the process. That's exactly what happened when he decided to nationalize uh, the, the Iranian petroleum industry. So Mobutu could not be removed. He was very popular. So there was no way of uh, just anybody coming and say, well, um, even coming up with a coup. Or Mobutu was popular. So the politi political uh, coup wasn't going to work. So what they decided is to come down to the table with him, sit down to the table, and then renegotiate the uh, 2674. Uh, and it worked. Then, later on, Mobutu decided to divide the Kivu, which is one of so the, if not the most, I mean, the, the richest, uh, as far as the variety uh, in minerals. He decided to divide it, and uh, I think in two. Mm -hmm. North Kivu and then South Maniema. Mm -hmm. The South Maniema then, by just the name, did not have any contract. So the beers, uh, all these companies, uh, the beers, uh, American Neurofields, uh, Benro, uh, just to name a few of them, decided that it was time for them to go. That's when Mobutu started to, going, to basically going down. And what happened is when Kabila came to power, when they brought Kabila to power, they made him sign a contract. First, mm -hmm. first and foremost, to change the name back to Congo, that will legalize the contract, and they can, and uh, so therefore uh, they can go back to the business. Kabila came to power. The first thing, first thing he did is change the name back to Democratic Republic of Congo. Now, he came with the name Democratic Republic of Congo, but with a flag that used to be of Congo, uh, Leopold, Leopoldville, Congo Leopoldville, which is uh, Belgium Congo at the, uh, at the time, because some of the contract was signed under, under Leopold. Mm -hmm. Now what happened is, he came to power, signing this contract. There was, there was I think, when you, change, uh, when, when you come to a country that's suffering of, uh, of such a situation that they went through uh, with Mobutu, the first thing I think to do is, I mean, you don't think about changing a name, probably uh, reorganizing the, the economy of the country first will be the priority. But here, change the name. Next thing, few months later, we're in court. All those companies took us, took the, the Congo to court in South Africa. They won because then the contracts were, were valid and then uh, we had to pay we had to pay them back basically for uh, the funds and the money that didn't, they did not make and basically punitive damage and <laughs> we had to pay them so mm -hmm. and that, that happened in 1998 we owe them over two billion dollars doesn't make sense that's when Kabila uh, the bird I was saying here, that's when he decided, uh, I'm sorry, per se was saying, Kabila decided to say, okay, well, I think I'm going to go and work my way. This is going to be my way. And next time, uh, what happens to Kabila, we all know, and the rest. So basically, these, uh, these companies uh, that are basically 
healing the, 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 the country, um, none other but American, Canadian, and South, South African. As a matter of fact, for, for example, American mineral fields and Barrick Gold, Barrick Gold, those are, all those companies are, the members of the companies of the advisory board are people such as uh, George Bush, um, Wolfowitz. Vernon yeah. uh, Jordan. Oh yeah, Vernon Jordan. He's in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. all those guys. Mm-hmm. So their policy will be to destabilize the country, and not to because why would they reorganize the country and bring the country back to its feet and not make money? They're making money this way, so they keep it. They keep it this way. The British just said there's an, an insurgent again of uh, a political movement in the east. It's going to be just like that. It's going to keep on going. On. The new, the new uh, system we have now, the what is it, what is it four and one? Yeah, four and one, one president. It's just four by time. Mm-hmm. This is buying time. We need to get to the core of the problem. The core of the problem is these companies training. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the, com- the companies that built the, this American base in the eastern region of uh, of, of uh, Congo mm-hmm. it was built by Halliburton. And we all, we all know who owns Albert. That's a familiar name. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So that is the problem. And um, until that is resolved, we're still going to be in the same, in the same mix. That is the major, major problem we were running into in that country. Okay. Not long. Not, uh, Go ahead. I think it was uh, 1999. Not like four years ago. Right. The RDT, which is the... Uh, uh, also in the Mount Congolese. Yeah. Right, right, for, mm-hmm. right for Democratic uh, Congolese. Mm-hmm. They signed a new contract with Barry Gold. Mm-hmm. So all these entities signed contracts with all these mineral, uh, mining companies. And where's stability there? I mean, nothing is going to... Of course, it's going to stay the same. This four and one is not going to work. Well, uh, we'll get into some more analysis on that, but it does seem like uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same, because if you go back to the uh, uh, Lumumba days when they were uh, breaking off the, uh, the secession, so-called, of the Katanga region and all that, the same kind of thing. You have the same kind of people involved, the same kind of interests involved, uh, balkanizing the country for the same reasons then as they're doing it now. And then when we get back on break, we're going to hit some more of those kind of political uh, issues and some more of the real on-the-ground trends uh, when we return. Be right back.
All right, welcome back to Liberation Hour. Uh, we're here at KPFK 90.7 Los Angeles, 98.7 FM Santa Barbara, and streaming on the web at kpfk.org. topic of our show tonight is uh, we're talking about the political transition in the Congo, that is the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and the road to rebuild, rebuilding. Our guests tonight are Adelar Pita, Fofo Lukata, and finally Brother Saeed. My name is uh, everybody. <laughs> Saeed Dibinga. <laughs> okay. So now we have everyone back here. Now, we, now you've given us some good background discussion here, but I think what a lot of our listeners are listening for here at KPFK, you know, we have kind of a more progressive crowd, and we are very familiar with some of the dictates of the IMF World Bank, what kind of external pressure they've been putting on governments and uh, destabilizing things for a long time. Um, with the current uh, state of affairs there, what is your analysis of what the current IMF policies are doing or not doing? Because, Brother, you brought up some of the trends that you think are, are turning around, but um, our experience is... Uh, is something different. So could you give us a little better angle on that? Yes, when uh, when I talked about the cause, the causes of the uh, Congolese uh, crisis, I mean the economic crisis, I mentioned those programs. Congo has been uh, had been uh, under uh, IMF uh, stabilization programs from 1976 through 1982, and then uh, from 1982 to 1990, Congo has been uh, under uh, the structural adjustment program from IMF. And uh, during those uh, uh, years, the, uh, the Congolese economy uh, kept going down. And one of the, one of the reasons uh, why those uh, IMF programs failed uh, is that uh, they are very, very heavy on the people because uh, they basically ask the government to, to uh, proceed with major and deep budget cuts. I'll give an example mm -hmm. here. From 1983 through 1986, Congo paid about almost $2 billion to the IMF and the World Bank and the, uh, many other uh, private, private lenders, almost $2 billion. Uh, at the same time, the government, I think, allocated 1% or 2% of the budget to uh, vital uh, sectors such as education and health care. Well, well, that was really my point, because when you talked about a positive trend, you know, the disconnect in my mind, when you start talking about 1% or 2% um, to to these kind of things that, you know, you need for your internal development, mm -hmm. you know, uh, relative to the heavy weight of what they maintain in terms of the, mm -hmm. the uh, debt burden, you know, it seems like it's a hole that you can't dig out of with that kind of arrangement, because you have to invest in the people in order to exactly. be able to dig out of it. Uh, absolutely, and this, this is what happened. Uh, in, 19, in 2002, uh, when uh, Congo went through the, this uh, new adjustment program, first of all, from 1976 uh, 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 to 1990, all the adjustment programs, programs were there from the IMF failed. And at this time, in 2002, uh, Congo embarked on a three years uh, adjustment program, program that is uh, uh, sustained by uh, what they call a uh, poverty reduction and growth program initiative. Right. And first of all, when Congo was so burdened by the debt, Congo wanted to renegotiate the, 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 the payment schedule with the Paris Club right. and the uh, London Club. 
London Club, which is uh, um, an association of uh, private uh, lenders, and the Paris Club, which is an association of uh, government lenders. Uh, the condition, uh, uh, the condition, uh, in order to uh, to uh, get any uh, payment schedule with those uh, those countries, you have to go through an adjustment program with the IMF, and in order to get uh, on an adjustment program with the IMF, you have to pay all the overdue amount to both the World Bank and the IMF. Mm -hmm. So here is the cash 22. Congo didn't have any money. So in order to get into the program, they had to borrow money. Yeah. The, the revenue, the export revenues for Congo was about $850 million no, right. in, in 2001 or 2002. No, no. They don't have any money. And the Congo owed the World Bank and the, the IMF about uh, almost the same amount. So where, where did they, get the, 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 they have to find the money? They had to borrow money from France, Belgium, Sweden, and South Africa. Once they cleared uh, those, uh, those past due amounts, then they were, they were able to, uh, to, to get into the program. And then they got uh, some funds from the IMF and the World Bank, and they... I, I believe they paid. The, yes, the, the, the reason I'm bringing this up is because, you know, we go through this all the time in mm -hmm. African countries and other developing, quote-unquote, countries. Mm -hmm. And uh, while you're going through all of these machinations uh, mm -hmm. with the World Bank, uh, negotiating back and forth, and all, mm -hmm. in the meantime, they're continuing to balkanize the country, exactly. continuing to pump the resources out. They're continuing everything they've been doing unabated while all of these mm -hmm. uh, economic uh, uh, um Development programs continue, and as all these political dialogues go on, but the stripping and the mining and the exploitation is going on. Never, sure. never stop. Because so the brother mentioned uh, the London Club and Paris Club, right? And the same members happen to be the owners of the corporation. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a vicious and nice, nice, nice cycle. Uh, but where do we go from there? Now, these are uh, these adjustment programs. It seems that uh, uh, Congo keeps uh, borrowing money in order to, uh, to, to, to get ahead. It's very, very tough. That's why uh, in my recommendations I mentioned that uh, in the long run we need to develop some uh, internal capital so that uh, in, in the long run we can avoid all that. And uh, that we need uh, that the Congo keep, uh, keeps uh, borrowing money. But what we need to do now? Uh, just uh, we need to uh, to uh, stimulate the economy, stimulate the economy, and then uh, uh, try to because 80 uh, percent, I think 80 or 90 percent of the debt has been uh, reduced under the the HIFC, which goes is called it. Right, but if you look at HIFC across the board, I mean, we've got examples uh, all over Africa and everywhere else. You know, it is it another stalling game that you, you call the highly indebted. Another designation. Mm -hmm. We've seen this. I think what we really got to talk about is the political mm -hmm. problem. Getting back to it Brother Saeed, mm -hmm. uh, where we talked about the one president, four vice okay. presidents. These four vice presidents represent somebody in the let Absolutely. Let's talk uh, about who they represent mm -hmm. and what it is because you can do mm -hmm. charts and graph on economic to grow to you blue in the face and mm -hmm. you solve power problem, you're going to have a trouble. Absolutely. Hey, could you give us some on that? I, I, I agree. Let me lay it down mm -hmm. on how it has to be rectified because, as they always say, you know, you got to take care of your own house before you can take somebody else's house. But the difference that's happening now is that the international community is using other African countries to destabilize Congo. Mm -hmm. If it's not partitioning it, you know, breaking it up physically, they're doing technology. If you go out to 
and using a cell phone, you're dialing a Rwandan area code. All right. Rwanda has about as much natural resources as the parking lot behind this building. But they're exporting. Exactly. All of a sudden, since 96, 97, they're exporting gold. Uganda is exporting gold and things like that in coal towns. Tagami made $240 million for the country. Mm -hmm. The thing is that we can't really stabilize Congo until that situation in those bordering countries are resolved. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Rwanda is being used as, as a prefix state to neutralize the influence of the French and the Belgians. That's what's going on. The situation right now. By whom? Right now, they're being basically used by the British and the Americans. You know, you have Robin Cook out of the UK. She goes to Rwanda. She acts like you know they're not slaughtering five and a half million Congolese. She's like, oh, Kagame, my guy, we have to you know prevent another genocide. Most of the same thing. You know, the farmers are getting brutalized. The population is getting brutalized. You know, they're being heavily subsidized. But he obviously they would buy a fourteen million dollar jet two years ago. No <coughs> part in the country where people are starving. They're basically they're basically. Uganda is, be, is being is being backed by the British. Rwanda is being backed by the Americans. Bemba is being backed by Uganda. Azura and uh, Robera from the RCD is being backed by Rwanda. They're just puppets. They're just minor puppets under major puppets who are being used by international communities. If we have to, if we have to put names on them, basically, what I'm saying, Rwanda is very gold, mm -hmm. like a narrow field. Exactly. And, um, and so forth. And that's the situation that has to be resolved. People keep thinking it's just Congo, but what's happening, we're surrounded by nine countries. Those, you know, most of those nine countries, particularly Burundi, Rwanda, Uganda, do not want to see a strong Congo because it does not interest them. As long as you have this four-president situation where you have four guys that don't trust each other, don't like each other, and they basically help murder, you know, almost six million of us, Congo will stay in this situation until 2005. It's just a stalling mm -hmm. angle that's going on right now. in 1997, a country in and big, big turmoil, and uh, but when you look at it, the Congo produced over nine hundred eighty-seven million dollars in export diamonds. In diamonds, in diamonds. Mm -hmm. With Israelis getting the monopoly on the Kabila because we had an arms embargo because we couldn't buy weapons, so to get to get money we had to give a, a monopoly to the Israelis, IDI, so we can get money to buy weapons because the UN didn't want to let the arms embargo off Congo so we can defend ourselves. Mm -hmm. We had South Africa sending selling weapons to Rwanda to kill us. That's the situation. So the balkanization is not just physically, it's technologically. You know, something's interesting. And I'm like, smiling over here, he's like, my God. <laughs> you know, something's interesting. A couple of weeks ago, uh -huh. I did a little uh, opening on uh, Bill Clinton and, and why people love, African people seem to love him so much. Not in Congo. Well, okay, but, but I'm just saying. Well, know, go ahead, yeah. I'm not going to get back and redo that show. But uh -huh. the reason I'm bringing his name up, because um, there's a Hope Arkansas, uh, mm -hmm. and I think there's a firm out of there that... Uh, you all may want to tell yeah. us a little bit about Hope Arkansas uh, being Bill Clinton's hometown. Uh, Hope Arkansas, go. yeah. Mm -hmm. I think there was, there was one guy, the, I think the, the, the CEO of uh, American Mineral Sales was from exactly. Hope Arkansas. Exactly. So the, the whole thing that's going on in Congo, the personal advisor, Bill Clinton's personal advisor. Exactly. And Cynthia McKinney actually called him out on that when, they, when she actually forced away on the private jet that went to Kiwi mm -hmm. with the guy from American Mineral Sales and said, why are you investing in this when people, people are getting slaughtered? And he had nothing to say. Mineral, mineral con uh, conglomerates are behind all the, the entire, the entire world, the entire exactly. situation going on in Congo. So it's a, po a political issue. Uh, as long as we, uh, we, uh, because uh, I think Lumumba said, uh, sometimes say that uh, if you have to die one day, that uh, the hands of some external forces will give a gun to uh, the Congolese to kill him. So what happened? 
For, foreign farmers cannot get to you unless they get to find some treaters inside your own house. Bemba, that's that's Rivera, the whole problem. Exactly. That's the whole problem in Congo. So, yes. I mean, what happened is that uh, just legalized kidnapping. Mm -hmm. You cannot, you have guns, weapons, you cannot help village. You can be a vice president. That's exactly what they just legalized. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think the major, major problem here, another way of solving the present problem is uh, doing exactly what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. uh, those companies control the media, I mean, they control the international media, incredible. I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, uh, when, that's, when we look at what happened in Iraq, uh, we could see, uh, we, basically, we, we witnessed the war live. Basically, it was live. CNN. And we didn't get to see a picture of what went down in the Congo. Not even a picture. What is the latest latest numbers on how many have died in the Congo since the war started? Five and a half million. Okay, yeah. It was a crescendo of 100,000 Congolese dying a month, 100,000 black people. Okay, now you have 100,000 African people dying a month and nothing being discussed no. in mm -hmm. the United States media. So mm -hmm. now this is not just uh, uh, ignorance or over, over uh, ignorance or over, over uh, ignorance or over oversight. Mm -hmm. You know, this clearly. Uh, something they don't want you to know. Now, I think if we try to look at this thing a little bit at grander, you know, back off a little at the mm -hmm. whole region, mm -hmm. and uh, look at you know, there's, you know, back off a little at the mm -hmm. whole region, mm -hmm. and uh, look at you know, Rwanda, Burundi, Eastern Congo, all of that, and mm -hmm. the net effect is the population in the whole region, be, <laughs> for whatever, for a variety of reasons, the mm -hmm. war and that was our show in 2003, people. The people would be cleaned out. We're about to wrap it up in a few minutes. Right. It kills the people but leaves the building. So it seems to me the depopulation of the Congo and the whole eastern, the whole region, Great Lakes region for that matter, is a foot. You guys have Well, that's what that guy, what's his name? Kaisenstein, Walter Kaisenstein, who's in the Bush administration. Am I pronouncing the name right?
the heart of Africa. The middle of the heart of Africa. Which means the heart of the African world. I understand 49 countries and all these things. Mm-hmm. Especially if you, if, you, if you tell them that over 50% of the U.S. strategic weapons are based on Congo's mineral. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. I mean, and that's what reports that it's 75%. Mm-hmm. Well, we're running a little short on time. There's one thing uh, that I'd like to get in here that's not necessarily associated with Congo. But it's definitely African. We have a Guinea Independence Day celebration coming up. It's going to be Sunday, October 5th, this 2003, from 2 to 6 p.m., 4276 South Crenshaw Boulevard. And it was very important that we support the uh, Guinea Independence Day and celebrate mm-hmm. um, us breaking away mm-hmm. at that time. Okay, so we want to make sure the audience knows about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a couple of minutes left, and uh, I'd just like you guys to go around and uh, give a little summary of anything else you'd like to say. Since folks from spoke class, you know, let's bring it back from there. Or how you want to do for me? Quick case okay. here. Uh, well, um, this is a great, great opportunity for us. I mean, and I think we should do this more. Um, not only with the Congo, but with the entire continent. Okay, well, that's a very quick summary. We're out of time. Once again, thanks a lot. And we'll thanks, Carol. Thanks, Juan. We'll organize thanks, this. Uh, thanks, KPFK. All right. See you next week. All right, people. That was a show ATM did back in 2003, I believe it was. It was a brother Adelar Peter. I think it's his last name, brother Adelar, economist. Very, very deep, brother. Much love for the country and brother Paul for Lukuta. Uh, that was a show again. It was a great show, and again, I apologize for the technical issues towards the end. It's an archival show, and we only had, I think, one DVD of the show actually on file. So. Uh, hopefully it wasn't too distracting for you. I hope you got some points there. And you notice, as they say, what's that phrase? Uh, the more things change, the more it stays the same. Because here we are in 2011, 2012, and some of the things we talked about on that show are still transpiring now in reference to what's going on back home. And it's just interesting that, you know, it's always nice to hear Conley's voice on these subject matters. I know sometimes the refrain is that there's never really been a Conley's voice lately in our struggle for freedom in our country. But the voices have been there. They've always been out there, and I just think we just need to be more unified in our conversation. And I think there really needs to be that million mar- that million man, million woman Congolese march, but more of a meeting behind the doors where we just iron out our differences and clear the air. And then once we come out, we show a united front. Um, it was a very I, I I remember that show fondly, and I have to give it to Brother Harold Green who put it together. He's a brother out here in Los Angeles who's about the community. At that time, I think he was advocating for a uh, Papua New Guinea. I remember a friend of mine asked him if he even knew where it was or been there. He's like, oh yeah, I know where it is. He's never been there, but he was really advocating for it, and he's the one that helped put the show together. So, Brother Howard Green will give me, you know, showing you the love out there. Now, we have about 23 minutes, so let's, you know, do a little music here, do a little stuff like we always like to do. We have a request here. This person wants to hear, uh, what do you want to hear? Actually, I'm not going to do a request tonight. I'm just going to do what I feel like. And I'm more of a, uh, there's a song by I think it's called Deliberation. I'm not too sure exactly what it's about. It's by Afali Hupupa. It's been on my mind during this groove, so let's give a little love here. We have some time, so let's uh, do a little music in this in this soiree of ours. <laughs> Oh, 
I bring that up because I got about three or four emails and a couple again such texts asking, okay, well, what's the battle scene? Because they heard me mention a couple of times a battle scene I want to do in the revenge scene of uh, the Congo and stuff like that. And um, there was actually a clip. Uh, battle Los Angeles had a great scene where there, uh, the Marines are coming into the groove into the into L.A. to uh, do a counterattack against the evading aliens and to defend the city. And anytime I see that part, it reminds me of how I want to shoot the invasion of Congo by the Rwandese and their allies. And, you know, a lot of people forget at that same time we were being bombed by Brazzaville. You know, Dennis the Punk was, you know, launching artillery shells into Kinshasa. And, you know, people, you have to really think about it. You know, President, the late Laurent Kabila, was surrounded by everybody. He was just being bombed by Brazzaville, east, attack, you know, from the west and being attacked from the east. And thankfully, Angola and those crew came to our aid, regardless of the deals they may have made or what have you. Everybody had their own interests, but it was really, we were under siege. So um, I want to play this clip here for you, the music, and if you just visualize from Battle of LA, but visualize it to be Battle, you know, Kinshasa, and this is exactly how I see it or how you may hear it, but hopefully the image you have in your head when you hear this piece, it's about a minute, 34 seconds long. Uh, you, once you hear this piece and you see the image in your head, we'll give you an idea how I want to shoot it. I don't want to do it cheesy. So uh, this is from Battle of LA, uh, the insertion phase, but let's call this uh, Battle Kinshasa, and this is how it's going to look or sound to you guys, okay? Let's roll.
and just shows the love. You can't go wrong with that. But let's mix it up a little bit. Let's go a little bit of hip-hop, a little bit of R&B mix here. Tell me what you like. Bobby Valentino. <laughs> uh, hey, yo, Tim, drop the beat for me. Brother, honestly, and I'm so curious. 
Don't forget about the DRC. If y'all don't like me, me, 
around with me and turn me back to the old man. What? Nowadays everybody wanna talk, but they got something to say. But nothing comes out when they move to this. It's a bunch of different the motherfuckers acting about great. Nowadays everybody wanna talk, but they got something to say. But nothing comes out when they move to this.
my name, say my name. I always like that video. There's some students in my class, ninth grade. That every time I hear this, hear this video, I can visualize them actually <laughs> singing this, <laughs> like as a group, because they're always together doing their stuff, what have you. So let's give it up one more last, one last cut here. A little love to the ladies. Let's do a little love dancing. All right.
<laughs> Love Death and the classic from back in the day, people. And I mean way back. So let's wrap it up here with a little, um, I don't know, some seduction or something like that. You know, I'm in a house mood at this moment. So, hmm, I don't know. Yeah, let's do a little seduction. Take it off air. People, Psychic Cassidy Binger, live and direct. I am gone. Love and happiness Make you want to do all Make you want to do all Make you come on Make you stay on that line
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.